0: Hello, everybody. Welcome to Discoursed, the American Agora podcast. My name is Aiden Kaplan. I am here with Caden Umansky. Hello. It's great to be here. Um, And today we are going to be talking about the Ukraine war. Caden, recently, I believe it was earlier this month, published an article about... uh, stuff that happened in the first month of the war and is currently working on a uh, follow-up article kind of covering the new things that have developed since then, because a lot has been going on there. Um, So, Caden, why don't you give me a quick summary of the first month of the war? So,
1: essentially, this main article focuses on uh, the major developments of what happened within this first month, as so much happened. Um, But the, the essential argument within it is that Russia is failing. They failed to achieve their major objectives. Um, it has united Ukraine immensely in a way that Ukraine has never been united before. And overall, that this war might be the downfall of Putin's
0: regime. Wow, that is a lot. And I guess on the topic of the j- regime, um, you have a, in my opinion, very powerful line um, in your article that go, that says, um, those who doubted the possibility of war failed to understand that irrationality is a natural consequence brought on by tyrants, you no know, checks to their power. What can you expand on that? Yeah. What exactly did you mean? By that?
1: Yeah. So under a tyrannical system, especially one that is controlled by one person, they tend to have a bloated sense of self where they feel like they have more power and glamour than they actually do, simply because they surround themselves with people who tell them that is the case. When you see yourself as a strong ruler of a nation, you don't think you can lose to a smaller nation right behind, right uh, to the side of you. Mm-hmm. Um, and the case is that that is not the case, actually. In the end, tyrants suffer immensely from this bloated self-esteem. They suffer from a extreme... High self worth—that is not true. That mm-hmm. is is not the case. Um, this isn't the case for every single tyrannical leader, but it can be uh, shown that it's with a vast majority.
0: Yeah, yeah. The way that Putin has been going into Ukraine, you know, Putin said that it would probably be a forty-eight hour war. Mm-hmm. They would take Kiev in forty-eight hours. And uh, as you mentioned in your article, Kiev is still standing strong and and even now um, is kind of sticking it to them. Well, you said that, you know, a lot of these dictators have this inflated sense of glamour. Um, there is no shortage of glamour going around in Ukrainian forces. You bring up um, how this war, um, while incredibly devastating to Russia, has fully united Ukraine and is creating almost like folk heroes out of it. You bring up the um, those defending Snake Island in your article um, and their slogan, uh, Russian warship, go fuck yourself. Um, are there any other examples of these kind of like... Folk heroes in uh, Ukraine that have been created? Yes. So pretty much within the first week of the war, we were
1: seeing uh, things like that. I believe the uh, the Snake Island event happened within the first week. Um, there is one in particular that I think of um, was the old woman who went up to a Russian soldier who was, I believe, in an occupied town and uh, told the Rus- Russian soldier to take uh, sunflower seeds, which she had, and put them in her pot and put them in his pocket so that when he dies, he'll at least leave a nice sunflower. Um, that is one example. There's also the uh, the possible Ghost of Kiev. Um, the problem with that is it, it's unverified, but essentially the, the legend says that a, a fighter jet took down around a five or six Russian planes within the first 24 hours. Um, it is hard to say whether that's accurate or not. Um, Of course, there are several viral videos uh, from around the internet of just Ukrainians uh, sort of sticking it to the Russians in a comical or just odd way. There's one that I think of that I I really love is this Russian – this Ukrainian drives up to this Russian tank that's seemingly out of fuel and uh, asks the tank commander, do you want me to drive you back to Moscow? And they both laugh and then he drives away and goes to the next tank and says uh, presumably something similar
0: you bring up how this is kind of like a lot of these are comical i've also seen videos of um ukrainian you know teenagers or there's all these stories you found early on in the war of ukrainian like farmers taking tanks of all of these um like this massive russian army all but being clowned on by ukraine is that Almost create that there's an element of like, is that creating a false sense of security for Ukraine? Because I feel like from this side, it's like, it seems like they're doing so, so well and that they almost wouldn't need our support. Oh, they're doing so well, they can make these jokes. Is that accurate or is it? I don't
1: think they're creating a false sense of security in really any way. Considering most Ukrainians, especially in besieged cities, have to deal with the fact that bombs are falling on their homes constantly no people who are dying or suffering. I don't think they have any illusions of the the dangers of this war, and I think of Vladimir Zelensky has made that pretty clear too. That they still need support, that they still need arms. Um, so no, I don't think they're they're creating a, a false sense of security. I really think a lot of them are are trying to make the best of an extremely difficult situation.
0: Uh, I'm and I mean, in terms of garnering support from the rest of the world. Uh, it's done a pretty good job of putting a lot of putting a lot of people externally. It's it's certainly good marketing, but um, have the have you are working on another article, and I'm not sure where this element maybe plays into it. But there have been lots of stories of people from Europe and the United States going volunteer voluntarily to serve in Ukraine, essentially because they want to i've heard stories of you know people from germany being like i'm taking vacation off of work to go and fight in ukraine for a couple of weeks um how is that affecting the war is it is it just increasing morale is it actually having a tangible effect against russia how is that yeah. kind of playing into it so um my next article doesn't actually
1: focus on the subject but mm-hmm. um to answer your question, it's really hard to know right now. Mm-hmm. Um, I've spent time trying to figure this out, and, and I know plenty of others have. Mm-hmm. But um, the effect of what is called, um, I believe, the foreign legion, the Ukrainian foreign legion, it's part mm-hmm. of the National Guard, um, is unknown. Um We can hope that they're being effective, and and I'm sure that it's not just random people going to Ukraine who have no no combat experience or who have no ability to learn uh, Mm -hmm. ways in combat. Um, But yes, uh, thousands of people from all around the world are coming to join the fight for freedom, and in some ways it it is the new international brigade uh, within the Spanish Civil War and also within the fight against ISIS – Uh, as seen uh, with the YPG in the northern Syria.
0: Wow. That's, um, I guess, so I guess something that I do know you're working on in your upcoming article, because you're nice enough to give me a sneak peek, is the rise of this Z symbol in Russia, if we're turning it to the Russian side. Um, I looked into it a little bit. Seems like there is some confusion. There's a lot of kind of not, there's some, like, mix-ups between people are not exactly sure where it came from, what it means. Mm -hmm. Um, What have you found in your research into it? So the first time I stumbled upon the Z symbol was before the invasion
1: started. Um, People had been noticing these symbols on Russian vehicles along the border. And uh, my article is going to go into detail just somewhat about that. But essentially, for... For our current understanding and what um, many military experts and just experts in general see from this is that it's a way to organize the armies. Mm -hmm. um, And there are beliefs based off where they are located, which symbols mean what, because Mm -hmm. it's not just C. There's also an O, a V, and then a Z within a box, and they all have different uh, locating groups. Uh, For example, Z is considered uh, the Eastern Front, I believe, in Donbass, whereas V is uh, troops from Belarus. Uh, my order might not be correct, um, but it is something along the lines. It, it's based off a uh, battle group, but essentially what we've seen is we we don't know if this was purposely orchestrated this way, but uh, Vladimir Putin's regime and supporters of his regime have managed to turn these symbols into pro-war, pro-Putin symbols, um, and they effectively act like a new a new just a, a symbol of uh of the state, a symbol of um. Anti-Ukrainian uh, anti-Ukrainian uh, sentiment, a symbol of uh, pro-Putinism, and it is uh, increasingly worrying, especially if you go around and, and you see the way these symbols have been used. I mean Vladimir Putin had a rally and they're, they're turning it into a huge propaganda piece and their shirts and they're they're written on billboards with hashtag# we don't leave our our heroes um, and a bunch of really crazy propaganda stuff. That's somewhat frightening.
0: Is there any sense or maybe reason that this, like, Z propaganda would leave Russia and be maybe adopted by other groups? Or is it seems like it's pretty centralized in, like, Russian nationalism?
1: I I think it's not going to—I mean, it's hard to say within, like, hundreds of years which groups Mm -hmm. are going to use what. I mean, the the swastika was originally and still is a Hindu symbol Mm -hmm. uh, if it is uh, switched. The, The manji, yeah. Yeah um but uh i can expect it and i have seen i not personally but reports of uh, people who have pro russian sympathies using this symbol to express their pro russian sympathies uh which is something i think we should be looking out for
0: and i guess following this um creation uh, i guess following all of these elements that are kind of building up um and from what you've been researching where is the war going now and what are like the biggest players in that? What is the biggest uh, thing that's affecting the war at the moment? So some of the things that happened
1: uh, somewhat immediately after I released this article was Russia withdrew from their Northern front Mm -hmm. um, saying that they had achieved their goals, which is extremely laughable considering Mm -hmm. the amount of uh, casualties in that region and the fact that they lost so many vehicles. You simply don't attempt to take the capital city and brutally fail, and just to say that it was a distraction for the real goal, which is Donbass and the Eastern Front, um, that's what they're saying now. So uh, Russia, we're we're expecting within the coming weeks for Russia to begin its next offensive um, in the Eastern Front. Um, And to say where that is going to go, it's more difficult to say um but it's not going to be some super easy fight like they had been expecting same thing that occurred in the uh, northern front considering that they they still have to use troops that are are battered and equipment is lost and people are dead that they they have to recreate battalions and groups and it's not they're not going to have the same fighting capacity so there is a real possibility that Ukraine could withstand the Russian invasion from the east. But really, in the end, Putin uh, did not achieve his goals, and he won't achieve his true goals. His stated goals on that night where he he announced the invasion was the demilitarization and the denazification of Ukraine, and they have definitely not demilitarized, and if there were any Nazis in the first place uh, in the government, well, the government is still standing. Which, to make it clear, the government was not a,
0: a Nazi regime. It, it, the president was Jewish, is Jewish. Yeah. Um, and I guess that brings me into two elements I want to touch on. Um, president Zelensky has been very open with his with going out into public in Ukraine to rally support from Ukrainians and build morale. How, how some people have said this is like a negative... Move because it leaves him open to assassination. Others have said that it's hugely positive because it shows he's standing with his people. Where do you kind of fall on that?
1: Frankly, if he was not assassinated within the first week, I don't think he's going to be assassinated the same way Mm -hmm. that was theorized through through different groups. The the security, I mean, he's survived so many assassination times, but I I really think for morale purposes— um, he's extremely effective, and it is helping his country, especially with the first weeks where he, he said he was walking around in Kiev where he moved back into his office and uh, just trying to show that he is uh, he is going to fully engage with this war and not be a politician, not be a coward, and he's going to fight for his country. And I really think it is effective, um, and I, I do think Ukrainians are falling
0: behind him on this. And I guess on the opposite side of the morale spectrum – um, Russian morale is rock bottom for a variety of reasons um, if you have a couple that you that spring immediately to mind.
1: So morale is a complicated thing especially within troops mm-hmm. um, because we can't exactly examine it um, but if just rumors and reports are accurate it, it, it seems morale is low within the Russian troops and that wouldn't surprise me considering their failures and their uh, their Their losses. I mean, uh, simply, uh, I believe Pentagon estimates put around nineteen hundred, nineteen no, nineteen, yeah, nineteen hundred troops, Russian troops, dead um, since the invasion started, and it's it's not going to be easy for them. Uh, Also, considering, I I, there were there were reports of Russians having uh, outdated food supplies um, and having to loot. Grocery yes. stores? I saw those yeah.
0: reports as well. Is that—I um, I, also—I don't know if you found the same articles, but I found several, especially early on in the invasion, talking about how Russian troops thought they were going for training exercises. In your research, did you find whether this was proven, disproven, um, whether those reports were accurate? I haven't found anything to confirm or deny that, but that that wouldn't
1: surprise me. I, it, You know, at some certain level, they know they're going to invade— But um, considering they had been uh, doing training exercises for about weeks prior, um, it wouldn't surprise me if some of them thought that this was a continuation of it.
0: All right. Well, I guess going from there, are there any other – the war in Ukraine, especially in the beginning and now, is disconcerting even though the Ukrainians seem to be on the up and up. Mm Mm-hmm. What are some of the, like, continuous concerns, even if it looks like Ukraine is going to pull through, uh, it, it, there must be yeah problems.
1: Yes, so um, we're already starting to see some of this. Um, as the Russian army gets more desperate, as it's losing, uh, they are going to result to more brutal tactics. And we've seen this within Bucha, where uh, 300 bodies were found with their hands tied behind their backs and shot in the back of the head in a brutal, brutal massacre, which shows the, the true the true intentions and the true, uh, true heart of the Russian regime. Um, but one thing we should be looking out for is obviously more... Of that, especially as the Ukrainians take back more cities. Um, and on top of just massacres, we should also be looking out for chemical weapons um, as they get more desperate, as uh, that might come into play. But overall, on the war's footing, I really think that Eastern Front is going to be critical. Mm-hmm. Um, it could be possible that if they manage to take all of what the Donetsk People's Republic and the Luhansk People's Republic's claim, in the donbass uh they will say they won the war um will ukraine surrender to that i doubt it and in full honestly i don't think they should considering the uh the the, the massacres of and I, I really think and I admire the ukrainian people for standing up against the tyrant
0: um i guess ukraine should not surrender even if those things are taken
1: I, that would be my, my personal view, but oh, again, that's not for me to decide. That's the, for the Ukrainian yes. people. Um, but to me, I think if they were to give up the Donbass, Putin would be able to claim a victory. Mm-hmm. And I don't think in the end Putin would stop there. Um, we've seen with that, he's ambitious. And you know, for, for this reason exactly is, is why we're seeing Finland and Sweden... Uh, probably joining NATO within the month. At least
0: Finland, um, I'm reasonably sure that they will be joining by June. Um I think I guess if we're talking about international organizations now, um a lot of people are, especially here stateside, um I don't a hundred percent know what the international sentiment is, but are disappointed by the slow reaction of the UN or the lack of reaction of what they think of what they 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 kind of question is the UN actually going to be able to do anything is like what is the internet why is the international community not like fully behind ukraine like what yeah, is going short to? answer no um the UN is highly highly doubt they will be able
1: to do anything uh, remotely effective with this situation um as i believe uh, someone else in the agora wrote an article on this uh, how the um, how the Ukraine situation proves how ineffective the UN um, is. But I, I'm not, I'm not too, uh, too ready to speak on that just now. But I do think the response by the international community um, was slightly slow. But at the same time, it, w- it was quite united, especially within the West. I mean, we, we saw Germany pledge to give them weapons. And that's the first time Germany's done that since the German reunification, the end of the Second World War. Um, and they're also raging raising their military budget uh, which is too, which is uh, unseen for for like two years ago. many would not have believed that uh, Germany would have been taking these actions uh, to support another country um, so I, I think that's a good thing but obviously I don't think uh, Germany should have been only sending helmets before the war started, which is what they were doing
0: um, And just to uh, clarify your point about another, Uh, writer's article. Ella Lane wrote an article in March about uh, Russia-Ukraine war highlighting the failures of the United Nations. So, for everyone listening, go and check that one out too if you want the full context. Um, I think that just about wraps it up um thank you so much Caden for coming and speaking with me um go and read Caden's article on the American Agora, uh, dot com and or sorry dot org and um go and check out his new article when it drops in sometime, sometime in the future soon, hopefully. Uh, uh, finals per minute Yeah, <laughs> totally get that um, awesome thank you for having me on